Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony, how are we? I'm really well, how are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little, no, it's fine. No, fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. I've started recording on both devices for no other reason than I might get 10 minutes of you today, so I'll capture every little bit of it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we're on the side of uh, desperation. Scrape the bottom of that barrel, mate. Oh, it's a barrel scraping week, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's fuck all in it but sediment. <laughs> so come on then, because it, this came out of nowhere. You were fine last time, you know. Before that message, I was like, oh dear. I was fine at, at, at about quarter to six on Tuesday night in Waitrose. And I came out of Waitrose with three very small items. And as I did so, I thought... Oh, hang on a minute. I spent all my life silencing and unsilencing this fucking phone. Now, how's... <laughs> you you may notice another one of my resolutions has slipped. Um... <laughs> another one. <laughs> Um, Remind the listeners when the drink one actually went. (laughs) I can't remember. Oh, I can. I'm coming out of Waitrose, isn't it, with three small items. Tuesday evening, about six, and I suddenly said, oh, oh, that's a strange feeling in neck and shoulders. You know, that's an odd feeling. It's like... um, I said, oh, like, like a muscle muscle cramping. I said, that's a bit unusual for something. You know. I don't remember doing anything um, recently, so it can't be that. And I went I went home for tea, and I sat at the kitchen table just for, saying to Lena, I'm feeling properly duff now. It's just, just, you know, with each sort of passing five minutes, I feel a bit more iffy. So then I went, and what happened then? Well, it, it just slowly, you know, it's, then at some point I said, I'm going to have to go and lie down, I feel dreadful. So I went upstairs and then put the telly on, laid in bed for a bit, feeling just duff, and then I started to feel nauseous. And then not long after Lynetta got into bed, about 11 or something, I thought, I know this feeling. It's usually followed by <laughs> skinfuls of drink uh, and and accompanied by a spinning room. I'd got everything except the spinning room. And uh, anyway, so then I went and stared at the toilet for a bit, <laughs> like you do, <laughs> wondering if um, you know if if I could think myself out of it or whether. Whether I'd feel better for being sick, in the you know, and and knowing really at the same time that I would feel better for being mm. sick. So then eventually, um, 
I didn't have to resort to put, you know, put my fingers down my throat. It did, nature took its course. So I was copiously sick for a bit and then felt much better. Um, so uh, I had a drink of water, sorted myself out, went back to bed. Um, and then, I don't know, a couple of hours after that, felt properly rotten again um and uh, so oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna be sick again um but i didn't want to wake the household up so i went downstairs because uh we got you know we we we've a loo downstairs as well so i went and uh i went and sat down there in amongst the boots and dog food um I was going to say that that little that toilet you've got downstairs isn't really a, it's not an illness toilet, is it? It's not oh, really you, designed. I, I beg to differ. Oh, right, I've been okay. extremely ill in that toilet on a number of occasions. <laughs> it was Lisa Prophet's uh, eggnog. Uh, consigned me to that small room once for a very long time. Right. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> in a way, I kind of feel feel a certain affection for that room. Um, but anyway, so then I was back in there staring at that one, and the, and um, anyway, I wasn't sick, so I, so I sat on the sofa and I thought, oh well, I'll just wait for it to happen again. I propped myself up, and at some point, hours later, I just stayed in that sort of semi-recumbent position, panting. And sighing and just feeling dreadful, like you know, like not really a functioning human organism. Mm. Uh, for I don't know, it must must have been a few hours, and then fell asleep. Woke up about half past five, quarter to six, feeling immeasurably better. Mm. You know, it had gone away. The the actual you know, don't move, don't function, throw up feeling had gone. I still felt rotten, but I felt immeasurably better than that. And so then I went, I felt like I could go back to bed. So uh, uh, is there any way I can stop people sending me messages? I'm a bit, that's oh. all really quit, quit. I, thought I, I, quit. I suppose be a, you know, less pleasant human being long term would do it. <laughs> no, I've tried that. <laughs> it's not going to happen this morning, obviously, or this afternoon. But if you if you're a, if you're a proper twat for the next six months, they'll they'll certainly slow down. <laughs> Anthony, I've tried. Have you really? Uh, <laughs> it didn't make any difference at all. I mean, the messages were slightly more terse. That was the only difference, really. Um. So yeah, and and I've been recovering ever since. But I wake up in the morning thinking, "Oh, I'm feeling a lot better." And by soon, a mid to late morning, I'm thinking, "Oh, hmm. go and lie down again." So I am getting better, and I'm definitely better today than I was yesterday, and better yesterday than the day before. But it's taken a few days. Well, know. the only thing I was going to say, I was going to slightly disagree with your timeline, only because I got the message from Lynetta on Monday to say you weren't well and we should have been recording on Tuesday. So I think it was Monday it hit you. 
That was it. Um, never knowingly accurate. Never knowingly accurate <laughs> about your own about your own symptoms. But I, I, do you know what? Whenever I get something like what you've had, it knocks me in a way. You know, when kids are sick and like five year olds are sick, and then two minutes later, mm. you know that they, they're eating a yogurt or a or a Milky Way or something. I, it knocks me for days now. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably loosely connected to my other theory about about the size of your organs. Uh, you know, as you get older and you, you, you go on those spinny round things that you used to skip happily on and off of yes. that, that completely fuck you up. Yes. I think it's because stuff like your liver and kidneys have grown past a certain mass. Uh, and um, and and are flopping about inside you in a way they just never used to. I think it's to do with the flopping about of the of the organs, or just perhaps just loose tissue. You know how the skin on your face gets looser as you get older, to the mm. point where if 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 you look really quickly to one side, your face carries on facing <laughs> forwards. <laughs> Just for just for half a second, and then follows your head round. Yeah. <laughs> I think that goes on inside you as well. Are you trying to say that if you do that quick, you're slightly out of focus because your skin's catching up? What I'm saying is, if you turn at my age, if you turn your head really quickly to the side and then back to the front, your face doesn't move at all. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just goes black while your eyes, while your eye sockets are, miss, are missing. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about your your liver as well, let's talk about my liver. Then, then I think you might be right. Nobody would want my liver with onions, mate. No, well, it'd be a decent portion. <laughs> it'd be a good night out. Yeah, you wouldn't need many you'd fries be, with that, would you? Better than a bottle of gin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I really feel bad. I can I can feel your concern oozing through the uh, ether in my no, direction. Ant. No, that's 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 a little unfair. I'm not as concerned now because you, you're clearly on the road to recovery. <laughs> oh, you were concerned when I wasn't there. I was concerned on. I, I was genuinely concerned when I got there. I always know if there's something wrong if I get a message from Lynetta. Yes, you know. So when I get a message from you. Um, that it's fine. I know, I, I, and we've gone past the point of you actually even bothering to make up a reason why you're not going to be where you say you're going to be. You just <laughs> tell me where you're now going to be when, which is great. I All think right. that's fantastic. I don't think that's hard. <laughs> that, that sort of implies that I don't care. No, no, you care a lot. I think it's I nice do. that our relationship is such that it's just like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not happening. I'll see you. I'll see you here. Oh, all right. Um, but but when I get a message from Lynetta saying you're not well, then I, then I do get genuinely concerned. Oh, well, well, it wasn't life or death, but I was actually I I, I was sitting on the sofa thinking, are my affairs in order? Ooh. I mean, you know, I was I felt properly dreadful, right? Uh, and that's me just being you know dramatic, I guess. She found it very, very funny. Years ago, we were in, um, we were staying in temporary accommodation where, while this house was full of builders and was being done up. And uh, I got ill, and um, 
I can't remember. I'd had a dodgy sausage roll. No, I think I'd actually got a bug. But I initially suspected it was a dodgy sausage roll, but it wasn't. It was it, I, I'd, I'd picked something up and I felt awful. And I found my sister, Awasu, from the car to check that she'd still got a copy of my will because I felt so awful. And Lynette had just about died laughing when she heard about <laughs> it. Which actually, do you know what? Is it? And I bet it'd always be your Sue that you phoned, wouldn't it? Well, our Sue's the the uh, yeah. Our, <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say now, in case Jill's listening. So I won't. But and what, Jill does listen. <laughs> and if she isn't, someone will somebody tell will tell her. Uh, so me probably. No, no, it's just that our Sue having a legal head. And being a, a very much a box ticker like my good self, um, it's sort of if you want anything sorting out, um, you can rely on our suit. And and I'm being legal, of course, she's she's done my will for me. I don't mean she told me what to put in it. I just mean <laughs> she sorted it out. Yeah. And I and I put you know I put a few random bizarre requests in it, which I'm not going to go into. No, um, <laughs> no, but everybody's going to ask, including me. <laughs> I'd like to be. I don't want Barry, and I'd like to be burnt in a wicker man on the village green. Oh, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I could see why you would do that with a cricket bat in your hand. It doesn't say that, but I think I might add, add that, that in, having just thought of that, because that would be an event, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes. I'd like Richard Barbieri dressed as a high priest in a white sheet, screaming into the sky as the light, as the fire is lit. <laughs> that, that, that'd be almost worth dying just to know that was happening. And get Trev down to play Video Kill the Radio Star in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into the, the the must attend event of the. It's a shame you won't be there. Yeah, I wonder if he'd turn up. He came to Paris. I've never got over that. So maybe he would. Maybe he would show up and play video, kill the radio star. Mm. As you as you're torched on the village green. I'd rather have slaved to the rhythm. Right, right. One well, thing is, you could request that, and he could say yes and change it, change it on the day, and you wouldn't know. It'd be more fitting. God knows I have been. Yes, you have indeed. You have indeed. How have we ended up here? Trevor and Lewis. <laughs> um, the, only, the only thing that concerns me slightly is thinking that Richard and Lewis will, will outlive you. Yeah. Well, yeah, you never know, do you? No. You never know. Lewis might have that Keith Richards thing going on. Yeah, he's well. He's bless him. He's, he, fingers crossed. Lewis has got that Keith Richards thing going mm. on. He's certainly got a few of his possessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you seem to have perked up a little as well. I have. You, that's the effect you have on me. Mm. Mm. Every, you know how many times have I arrived at either death or depression's door, only to feel great moments later. Mm. And then it all fade away as you walk down those two flights of stairs. 
Well, that's not of the listener's concern, actually. No, no, that isn't. That isn't. Because when I walk down those stairs, I'm of no use to them. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm of the things that I've learned so far this morning, apart from the fact that I, I did genuinely feel concerned about you and I did send a oh. nice message back to Lynetta to pass well, on t- to you that I'm you may touched. or may not have, have, have got. And I'm feeling let, not that I'm any less concerned today, but I can see you're on the road to recovery. So, so I'm, I'm much, much better. Yeah. So, so, I just feel a bit duff. Yeah, yeah. I'm liking the fact, because I think it's a very male thing, that if we've got more than one toilet to throw up in, we will try and use as many as we possibly can. I like yes. that. Yes. And um, g- given a choice, we'll go for the one with the dog food and football boots. And the football boots in. Yeah, yeah. I, I am quite impressed. I am because, you know, and I'm not saying that your downstairs toilet is small, but, but I, w- <laughs> I would normally want a bit more room to, you know, to perform like, if I thought I was going to vomit. You need flailing room. There's a lot of flailing around, and you know, <laughs> It'll kick your legs in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Do a few, <laughs> throw a few shapes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm more of the you know, <laughs> wrists and ankles tied in the kneeling position, bullet in the back of the head, uh, sort of pose for throwing up. Right. Right, you're keeping arms and legs in from the aisle, and I'm very careful. You know, I don't like to. I don't like to make a mess. I'm going to have to clear up later if I can right. possibly. So I, I, I'm quite a, I'm quite a careful vomit preparer for a vomit. Right. You know, like I, I folded up a, I folded up a, a bath towel so it wouldn't be too hard on my knees. Put that down first, and then you know I'd got various. I made sure I'd got Lou Roll within, within reaching re- distance without mm-hmm. having to move. And then I opened a can of lemonade because uh, they say that fizzy drink's quite good for settling your stomach. But particularly if they're slightly flat, actually, at the point yeah, where they've been open a while. That's, yeah, that's always slightly better. Unfortunately, it wasn't. You don't get much but choice, though, do you? I did try and set my stall out carefully. Mm, looks like and it. And I was glad I had. Because there was there wasn't a lot of mess. No, you do sound uh, like a very efficient vomiter. <laughs> I've had quite a bit of, of of experience in in various toilets of of varying, uh, shall we say, um, what's the word? Um, a various savouriness. Yes, standards. The, from from unsavoury to hideous, I, I've, I mean, nothing beats, nothing beats a tour bus toilet. After a lot of hairy ass crew boys have used it, um, nothing beats that. No, no, it's got that kind of um, transatlantic flight with with half an hour to go vibe about it. I imagine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When when all the when all the niceties have, have gone. Yes. Yes, all of that well intentioned behaviour of the first hour of the flight's all long since disappeared. <laughs> Shall we start? Oh, have we not started. Well all this Fucking all this up. is staying in, they all know the drill oh, now. But shall oh. I put a title in there just for the hell of it? <clears throat> yes. Go oh. on. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to chapter one hundred and ninety two of the Corona Diaries. 
And and the big thing is, one of the reasons why we've gone through your week is because we're recording this at a point where technically the patrons, the purple, should be listening to it. That is true, yeah. It's it's shoddy, but I have got a note from my mum. Right. Right. Um which it is says, uh, yeah. dear. I, in all seriousness, you could have got a note from Sue and I think everybody would have taken that absolutely at face value. Oh. Yeah. Dear Mrs. Purple, our Steve hasn't been well this week and and that's why he's not brought his football boots with him. Hmm. Can he sit at the side? Were a lot of those notes written in your time? No, no. no. I requested a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get picked on at football at school? Picked on? I didn't get picked for the team. (laughs) Um... I was always last, you know, I was the one kind of like, oh, not him. Um, which I think was partly due to my my lack of being six foot two and, and ripped. Mm. Uh, and also partly due to my difficulty with taking sport seriously. Um, I think you've either got that or you haven't. You've either yeah. got that this is sport and therefore it's very serious thing, or you've got the what this what's the fucking point of this? Yeah. And I I've always had the the yes. latter of those two attitudes. The only reason I, I kind of mentioned, I tell you what took me there. What took me there was <laughs> was Ocean Cloud took me there. Ah yeah. Well, that, there there you go. Well, that's. That's a bit. That's a little snapshot of probably what is one of my major issues. You know, the fact the fact that I wasn't good at sport and was humiliated for it by the games teacher is probably probably I probably have a lot to thank him for because it lit a fire inside me. Yeah, that still hasn't gone out. You know, it made me even more chippy than chippy northerners usually are. And of course, it's in Brave as well, isn't it? Is it? Where yes. did I put it? What, what, where, where did I stick it? There's something it about in Brave? picking the sides in Brave, isn't there? Oh, keep your head down when they're choosing the sides. Yeah, yeah of course. In uh, in living with the big lie, when to kiss and to kick, and to keep your head down when they're choosing the sides. I was never any good at it. I was terrified most of the time. Never got over it. And that's probably true. Mm. There we are. So there was a link. We have linked it back. It has become, you know, TCD worthy. I'm at the back of the club too afraid to speak because I'm not like these people and these people are not like me. Super heavy elements. Let's take that. It's probably Robbie Williams. And uh, that struck a chord with me when I heard that. I thought, very nice. Let's let's move. Let's take a slight step sideways. Only because I've got an, an update for you. Oh Christ! And the update came in. Uh, I got a I got a, a Facebook message that directed is the me second to... half of the update. Sheffield United nil, or or, or is it a different <laughs> update entirely? <laughs> no, no. But but that is there's, there's something reassuring and constant about that particular scoreline. I've gone and dragged it back to footy now. Just you just when I'd escaped. You you have you have. 
Now I got a I got a Facebook message, and, and if you give me two yeah. seconds, I will flounder around and make sure that I actually uh, reference the person who uh, who did this. Uh, and it will take it will take but a second to do that. Paul McMillan, Paul McMillan sent me a message and, and drew my attention to the ABBA um, Voyage Wikipedia mm. page. Mm. And the reason why he did that was because. Um, those vocals that you talked about and, and the sound mm. of the vocals you talked about, all of those songs were re-recorded for... All the vocal tracks were re-recorded for the show. Wow. Why did they do that? And they did it over a five-week period and they re- to make it feel more like a live experience. Well, they failed. <laughs> <laughs> OK, but they tried. OK. They must have spent a lot of time and money on that. Well, I think they spent a lot for of time no, and money on all of it. For no but, good reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they aren't the lifts from the. So I know we talked about the a little bit last the week. Masters. They're not the lifts from the from the record. They have been. Now it says digitally re-recorded, which worries me slightly, just in terms of the sound of them a little bit. I don't know what that actually means, but the point is they were re-recorded by who? By 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 the. But they're old now. I mean, yes. yeah, that is interesting. I wonder if they had to mess with their, the vocal, their vocal tones, yeah, to try and match the tone. They, I can't believe those girls sound the same now as they did when no. they were in the 70s. So maybe they had to mess with the, the tones. I, I mean, I'm sure their pitching is still fine, but, but maybe they had to do stuff. Mm. to try and make them sound younger because it you know I I I'm because I'm on the inside looking out of, of that process I was sitting there thinking these vocals don't sound right. right they sound like they've been messed with they don't sound like live people on a stage mm. singing and I just that that confused me because I thought it'd be the vision I'd be having trouble with. I thought it's going to sound great, but I've got to work out what mm. I'm looking at. Um, and what I was looking at was pretty mind blowing, um, but what I was I was hearing wasn't convincing. That that I personally thought, um, and I did I couldn't work out why, but maybe the original multi tracks. Of all of that stuff, of, of of age to the point where they couldn't use them, because they do get old, and unless somebody has is, you know, digitally transferred them and kept them somewhere nice, they they could have been lost. Yeah, and that is entirely possible. The only reason I know that is because I remember years and years and years and years and years ago, um, uh, the first company who brought out um, 24-track digital multi, multi-recording into computer was a company called Nuendo. And one mm. of the first things they did to, to show off the system was they transferred the Bohemian Rhapsody Master to a computer. Mm. And they got the tapes and they passed it through the machine and they captured it on the first take and they went to record it a second time just to try it and it disintegrated on the second pass. Yeah, what you have to do, because we've, we've got extensive experience of this engineer, from, uh, you know, we 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 re, remixed a lot of our, I think we remixed all the EMI albums. Some were, they were all problematical, but 
some were worse than others. And you'd think that a band that was selling quite a lot of records at the time, you know, I mean, I think we were selling five, six, seven hundred thousand albums in those days. You'd think on a major label, you'd think the major label would have taken very great care over a how it how it catalogued its master recordings and b how it looked after them, and we had the devil's own job just finding them. From uh, I mean, the fact is that all of these record labels are bought by other companies who were then bought by other companies. You know, I think at one point EMI was owned by a distillers company briefly before it was then gobbled up by another one and then gobbled up by another one. And now it's part of Warner's Warner Brothers. But, you know, watch this space. Two years from now, it'll probably be owned by a dog food company or Coca-Cola or somebody. B&Q. B&Q. <laughs> Poundland. Um <laughs> And so then, you know, corners are cut and these things are just lost sight of. And um, when Mike finally got a hold of the um, the two-inch multi-tracks from some of the early albums, they have to be sent away and baked mm. in an oven because if you if you don't bake them, and you put them on a machine, all the oxide falls off and the music goes with it because it's in the oxide, which is probably what happened to Bohemian Rhapsody mm. on the second run-through. And that will, baking them, kind of re, re-glues the oxide back into the original tape. They have to be baked at a very certain temperature and then warmed up very slowly and then cooled down very slowly. And, you know, if it's not done just right, it's a waste of time anyway. And then even having done that, when you play those masters on, um, you know, on a 24-track tape machine, and even that's tricky because not many people have those anymore. But there are, there's a couple of companies. There's a company out by Heathrow, whose name escapes me, but the people are very nice. And they've got every recording machine known to man. And whatever you want, you know, if you've got any antique media that needs transfer and they've got a machine that it will play it, and they provide that service. And they, I think they baked it and transferred it uh, to into the digital domain, so we've now got it on our hard drives. But... I think Mike said you're good for you're good for one pass then the second time you play it you is fingers and toes crossed and you might get most of it but the second run will even after a baking it a will bacon. probably destroy it and so by the third run it's not really there to be had mm. um so we've had a lot of experience with that. I mean, what Mike did with Afraid of Sunlight was unreal because um, when he got all the masters back from EMI, what was on the tape wasn't what it said on the boxes. So he had to he had to reconstruct the the songs one at a time from. Uh, masters from copies from backups and 
on every track, you know, the track would say bass, and he'd put it, and there'd be a harpsichord on it when he played it. You know, uh, that wasn't it, that we'd not used, or there'd be some old outtakes on it. So it took him weeks and weeks to find where where the music had come from, and he never found where some of it came from. Mm. And I mean, I remember when when he re when he re uh, remixed season's end there was there were two backing vocals on the space that didn't exist anywhere mm. they they're on the original they're in the mix uh but they weren't there so i sang them again you know i don't know 9 months ago mm. uh i was i was re-singing bvs on the space from season's end so mike could mix it i mean you'll never know i mean you you know now cuz I've said it, but you wouldn't really know that they're not the originals, but they're not. I redid them. And because they're BVs and they're at a low level, you'd struggle to know. But, um, I mean, the the tambourine on the 5-4 section of Easter, that wasn't on any of the masters either because I remember playing that when, when Nick Davis was mixing Easter. Well, you do... Like a star of your heart, bosh, that things right, and your tail, bosh. Uh, I'd got that as a sample in an AMS because I decided at the last minute it needed a it needed a, a tambourine crash on every every other round. Mm. And Nick said, uh, "Yeah, that'd sound good." I said, "Well, I'll do I'll do it while you're mixing it." So I'd got a button with the letter A on it, I think it used to have. Do you remember those? I don't know if you've been. An AMS delay. And before samplers, you could sample something, provided it wasn't too long, into the AMS, and you could play it by pressing the button. So I was just sat there with my finger on a button, going every other time into the mix. So it never went to tape. It was played live in. Um and I, I heard a story about Peter Gabriel doing that at the mastering stage. He turned he turned up with finished mixes to master them, you know, to actually cut them to vinyl. And at that point, he'd thought of another backing vocal. <laughs> he couldn't leave it alone, so he sang it during the cut, and they mixed it in. So it's never too late. Well, it's too late once you've cut it. Too late once it's out. But uh, until then, I guess it's not. That's do you know what that that East thing? That is an amazing because you forget back in the day, you know, so much of the mix, the final mix is all a lot of it's done live. You know, you've got like fifteen fingers on fifteen faders because pre automation, all those kind of things. What you yeah. ended up with was was still ultimately a tactile event, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, if you wanted something a bit quieter at a certain stage, you had to pull the fader down and push it back up when you want it louder. Yeah, and even in the 80s and the days of automation and solid-state logic desks, you could automate the levels, but you couldn't automate the sends and returns to the outboard gears. So so if you'd got, which was very fashionable in the 80s, you wanted this big gated reverb on a snare to make it go... Mm. And then suck, you know. Um, if you only wanted that as a sort of punctuated thing at a certain point in a mix, 
you'd have to punch that in by pressing mm. the knob down, which sent it, and then releasing it again. Mm. And so you'd do that by, you know, you'd have people on various... Just, just punching things orcs as you knobs, went. yeah, pushing, punching mm. things in and out. That was half the fun of mixing. Mm. But, of course, now you, you can... You can stroke your beard and think about it and program it and go, well, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe just slightly less, maybe slightly longer. You've got all of those options. So you, it, I don't know if it helps in the long term, you know, because of, there were so many great records made without any of that shit. Yeah, yeah. Where the, where the mix itself is essentially a performance. Yeah, and and... You've got to get it right that once or yeah. do it all again. And then you've got to decide which one you like best and use it. Yeah. Whereas now, even when we edit this, you know, the three tracks that that we edit on this, I have automation on uh, pans. So, uh, you know, so you're panned but, in the centre for the reading and panned back out for the for the main bit. And that's all automated. Know, I wondered what that clanging was in the background. Oh dear! Have Pots you found a reading? Pans. I, have I found a reading? Hmm. <laughs> I thought uh, St James chapter four. What's that, St James? I don't even know. <laughs> that's just a, that's just a place in London, isn't it? It's just Where a place get, in London. Yes. Get posh jackets. Um, well, I've, I've, yeah, I, I haven't done it though. But, but um, you have found one. Yeah, I've got something I can can drop can it out. I, w- I was thinking about the so I, I found I found the day when Mark ran into the cement truck in Germany, but I, I I'd got deja vu reading it, and I, I think we've already used it, haven't we? And for something, we'll have used it for a bit of purple content, right? So, well, when we get desperate, and if people would like to hear it, then I'll read it again. But I, I've got something else. Yeah, I've, I've got. I've got a few things that, because the last few tours I've started with very good intentions and thought, do you know what I'll do? I've I've sort itself out, you know, diarised this uh, as it happens because who knows how many more we'll be doing. And I always get to a sort of, I get to like a day and a half through mm. it and then it stops, which is a shame, but I just run out of steam and the time and the impetus and the desire. Um like dry January. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fatigue and malaise sets in. In fact, if you say dry January quick, it almost sounds like diary. Dry January. Dry, 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 Maybe not. Maybe not. Can I remember December? Well, we'll go for a bit of whatever it is now. It's going to yes. be a surprise to all of us. Go for a bit of whatever it is. Matron. Twenty twenty one Saturday, November the thirteenth Home Had time to watch Strictly before departing for the racket club in the Mini. Good to see the crew again after two years apart. Because of the pandemic we're bubbling separately as a band, so band and crew have a bus each. There also appeared to be two trucks, so we must be going up in the world. 
said hello to the ever-lovely Joe Rothery. Had a last quick look round the studio in case I'd forgotten anything. Brought a couple of guitar distortion pedals, just in case, but as I write this in Cambridge, I haven't felt I needed them. Our favourite bus driver, Charlie, is driving the band bus. Great to see him. He never changes, always laughing and ready with a wind-up, complete with relentless scouse humour. Love him. Mark K tested positive for Covid, forcing cancellation of the last week of rehearsals, and so he will travel separately until he tests negative. Had a G&T and went to the shelf around midnight after a heart-to-heart with Frenchie about the loneliness of the pandemic. It's been tough on him. Sunday, November the 14th, Hull. Woke up slowly after fitful bus sleep, you have to do it to understand, and really didn't roll off the shelf till around 11am. Hull looks a lot like Wolverhampton out of the window from where I'm sitting. Decided to stay put. Chatted with Charlie while munching muesli and drinking coffee. Eventually went back to bed. Such a luxury to be able to be so selfish and free. Made my way into the gig for soundcheck. There had been PA trouble, so we weren't really getting down to it until around 5pm. We have a new monitor man for this tour. My beloved Nick Todd took a decision not to get vaccinated, and that, combined with the decision to retire and get a proper job, eventually forced us to replace him. It won't be easy. Our long-standing PA owner and out-front sound engineer, Ian Bond, has stepped up to do the monitors. I don't envy him trying to keep Oslot happy. Guitar tech Pete Harwood caught Covid on the Level 42 tour and it's hit him really hard, so he too is not an option this time out. And so we have Ollie doing guitars. Had a chat with them both about my requirements and in between enforced breaks while microphones were replaced, connections checked, drums EQ'd and general head scratching, I ran upstairs to the dressing room to try various clothes on and decide on a stage outfit. After a couple of hours we decided it was all working, or workable, and I returned to the bus to relax for an hour. Called home. Vibes is well and Elle is okay. Her mum isn't going to last much longer. She's been taken into hospital after days of refusing to eat or drink. She is suffering increasing dementia, so no one's sure whether she's made a decision to give up or whether she's simply no longer able to think straight. It's a terrible dilemma. The doctors are trying to get an IV into her so that they can hydrate her to the point where she's lucid enough to give them feedback. Poor Lissy. Poor Sonny, her husband. And poor Lynetta. Tough times, I know. I've been there and it comes to us all. There are 700 Christmas cards on the bus for us to sign, so I started work on that before returning inside for the show. Hull City Hall is a lovely hall. Looks recently refurbed. The dressing room had a new floor and ceiling. They'd done a good job. The main hall is beautiful. Enjoyed the show. A great roar went up as we mounted the stage, and we stood and soaked it up. It's been 726 days since the last show, so I reckon we deserved a moment of celebration. Adulation, call it what you will. My sound wasn't perfect, but it wasn't half bad either, considering Ian B had been thrown in at the deep end. 
I'm not sure the set really flows, but it appeared to be going down well. Feedback was good afterwards. Showered and climbed back on the bus, trying and failing not to eat after-show food. Ah, the guilt. On to the shelf to Edinburgh. Monday, November 15. Edinburgh Usher Hall. Woke up in an alley next to the trucks and the Usher Hall. Had coffee and muesli on the bus and signed a few more greetings cards before popping down the road to find a post box and put a few TCD birthday cards in the post. A new ritual. Got back and returned to catering where I procured a bacon sandwich for breakfast. Brown bread, brown sauce. Lovely. Spent the rest of the day on the bus chatting to Charlie about his day's driving and chauffeuring Brian Ferry, who once had Charlie going round the tour bus with a candle trying to locate a draft. Don't know if it's true, but Charlie maintains that Brian split up with his fiancée, Jerry Hall, after Mick Jagger chatted her up in a club, saying, Well, you don't want to marry him. You'd be called Jerry Ferry. If it's not true, it's a good story and I can imagine Mick saying it. Soundcheck kicked off on time at 4pm, but we were somewhat plagued by strange radio interference. Something kept going in my left in ear, and I wasn't sure if it was actually happening or just my brain. I suggested sticking Heart of Lothian in for Encore 2. Usher Hall is another lovely auditorium. We seem to be playing classy joints these days with well-equipped dressing rooms. Back onto the shelf afterwards for an hour before calling home. The hospital's managed to get an IV into Lissy and are watching her like a hawk so she doesn't rip it back out. If they can get her rehydrated, perhaps she'll be well enough to eat. Good news for Lynetta then, if only another reprieve. She's been on a roller coaster for years regarding her mum's health. Show in Edinburgh went well. Sang Easter in the encores and can't remember ever singing it so well. Happy days. Heart of Lothian, unsurprisingly, went down a storm and gave me a chance to let the audience sing it. I have no right, but it's great to conduct it. And we're back! Yeah! I've, I've, that was, I barely could summon the energy for that. Yeah, I've not, I, I think we need to round this out fairly quickly because you've, you've, I, it's a gargantuan effort, I think, I, you've, you've put in. I took a run at it. I just <laughs> still fell over. You've done really well. You've done really well for a man who was close to death's door <laughs> on, on, on the early, early hours of Tuesday morning. I think you've done really well. well let's lay uh, it on with a trowel. I'm, I'm game. I'm, if you want to lay it on with a trowel, I'm game. As Kenneth Williams would have said, there was no one gamier, uh, as he has been known to say in the past. Um, we were obviously, we were going to talk about, uh, before your illness, we were going to talk about Friends in the Orchestra. Uh, and I got as far as actually looking at the, and I'm going to ask you a friend's question. I'm going to ask you a friend's question to finish, even though it won't last very long. Oh, I uh, think just, that's going to lift everybody's mood. They go, they're actually going to talk about it. Well, well, go on, go on, I'm ready. Well, no, no. well, the other thing as well is I have spoken to Mike and Mike is happy to come on and lend a bit of uh, a bit of heft to the conversation. Fantastic. So we will get Mike on in the next couple of weeks. So that's a that's a good start. 
The the bit I was going to talk to you about quickly today was nothing more complicated. Before we start talking about the recording process and the arrangements and real world and all that kind of stuff, how long did it take to put together the the actual collection of songs? And I'll quickly run through what they are, just so we know what we're talking about. So Estonia, a collection, fantastic place, Beyond You, This Strange Engine, Hollow Man, Sky Above the Rain, Season's End, Ocean Cloud. So the process of just even getting to that nine, what do you recall about that? Wow, what do I recall? Um... I recall, Mike, um, probably nearly all of it came from Mike uh, uh, because he was the one who had the had and has the perspective on what a string arrangement is. And, uh, a quartet arrangement particularly is, is different to a string arrangement because it's so much sparser. And if you've studied music, and Mike has, um, there are kind of conventions, and they're not—they're not just there because of history. They're there because the, those four instruments kind of don't sound good unless they're used in certain ways with certain intervals and certain certain harmonies. Um, and he knows all of that, um, and I don't, and I don't think anybody else in the band does. Maybe Mark's got a bit more of an idea because he's done quite a bit of it with samples, but Mike's actually studied it and the dots and lines and all of that in his in his distant past. So he was the one tasked by us with writing the string arrangement. And we wanted it to be him because we freely understands our music better than someone who just arranges strings. Um, I wondered about getting Dave Greggs to do it because he's, he's arranged strings for me in the past. Um, but Mike came back with some de- demo stri- string arrangements, which he then played into the into various songs with samplers so they never sounded right they sounded a bit uh machiney and in some places they sound a little bit cheesy uh and it wasn't until we heard them for real that they sound you know in some cases that they sounded right they sounded all oh, right i get it now yeah that's lovely um some of the some of the ones on Easter sounded a bit oh I don't know Mike. Um but once once he'd got the real players in and they were playing those parts, they came to they came to life in a in a way that that um you never just going you're just never gonna get it off machines. Um or you certainly weren't back in those days. I know there's some very, very intelligent sample libraries out there now with all the legatos and the little bends and the bits of expression that that, that are more convincing. But but he demoed them with fairly sort of flat samples. Um, and so he sent us a selection of songs which would probably... There was probably... 
two or three or three or four more than the ones that ended up on the album. And he said, I think these these could work. Um, have a listen to what I've done and let me know if you think it's going to fly. And we all we all had a listen and it was sort of greeted with varying degrees of enthusiasm by the band because it was quite hard to imagine how it would be with the real stuff on it. So it was quite hard to pass judgment. Um, but we do trust him, and we should, because uh, he's he's always been right in the past. Um, there's no reason to suspect that, you know, he won't be right going forward either. As I've often said, you know, I've personally wasted a lot of time fighting with Mike over things that the and various members of the band have fought him over certain things on the, on the last few albums. And we've nearly always been wrong. You know, he's, he, 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 he's been vindicated um, in the end. Um, so one day we'll learn and we'll save a lot of time by just doing as we're bloody told. Um, I digress. So the, the short answer to your question is, is um, Mike probably chose though. I I don't. I, it's so hard for me to remember, and so there's always a danger that I'll take credit for things that have no right to take credit for, and there's also a danger that I'll take no credit at all for something I suggested, because I can't remember. Um, I know that. I know that I've never been happy with the last section of the sky above the rain. Um, on um, the original album, that's on Sounds That Can't Be Made, isn't it? Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, um, I was never happy with that. I just thought it was a lot of banging and crashing. And I thought it deserved something a bit more moving. Um, and so I probably said, do you think we could... Do you think we could alter, Do you think we could drop that section into something sadder and more soulful um, than what than all that banging and crashing we had on the album? So, so I think that was my suggestion to drop that right down and change it completely at the end. Um, I can't remember who suggested Beyond You. I think that might have been Mike, but you know, from from the get go, I thought, oh, that could be lovely. Um, Hollow Man was probably a bit of a no brainer, really. Yeah, It'd be nice to you know. You th- there are some, some, you know, Estonia obviously was. Uh, we've got to do in Estonia; it'll be incredible, and it it it, it is. It, it's incredible and more. I think I think that's the one really. That, was worth making that album for that one song, uh, from my perspective. Although I'm, you know, really happy with how it turned out. Um, but the but Estonia's beautiful. Um, I think there's three incredible versions of Estonia because the the original's incredible, and I like the positive light version as well. Right. Yeah, I think the original's lovely too. It's not like it needed improving. No. Um, 
but revisiting it with the quartet was was just lovely and uh, you know as i've often said in the past gave me that moment at the royal albert hall that i otherwise never would have had um you know he wrote that little intro for the beginning that featured the six players and it was just magical and it you know so it still is uh, I tear up just thinking about it mm. well it's such a special song anyway as I say anyway I mean I mean I was I, you know going back to the positive light version briefly I was really moved at the power of that I, I, there's something about that song it's just so powerful well it was most definitely sent to me Hmm. from above hmm. so Mike by the sounds of things had a reasonable handle had a reasonable hand in, in that list anyway absolutely yeah um, you know and, and as you say you reckon there were three or four that that that, did, that were also in the, in the running that's the way I remember it although my memory hmm. is properly fuzzy um, but Mike's is laser sharp so once once we get him in um he'll i mean it'll be nice to have him in the conversation because he'll say things and i'll go oh yeah and this happened and that happened and the other happened you know i'll be able to actually be a good good deal more lucid (laughs) than i've been it's and the thing is, I don't know how we do this, so I'm not going to put it forward as a as a cast iron suggestion because I I there's a lot of reasons why it wouldn't work and and you know licensing and PRS being one, but it it'd almost be quite nice to to be able to to listen to it as part of the podcast experience and have you and Mike talk about bits as we go through. And I don't know if we can do that, so we'll investigate whether that's a possibility. Hmm. Um, but it, but but that would be interesting because you know just hearing things is going to provide that prompt so whether we do that whether we have a little session where we listen to a song before we start and then just come back in i don't know i'll talk to mike and see what the best way of doing it is we, and we could make a spotify playlist of excerpts or something and say we that could do press press button one folk and they can all press their button one at home and then we'll... <laughs> all right. now we'll talk about that well we might even be able... i think there's a limit I think it's based on the amount of a of, of something you're having. We might even be able to drop short snippets in, right? So we'll we'll go away and we'll do some work because after after trading this for about three and a half years uh, as being almost the thing we said we'd do in episode one, why don't we try and make an effort to make a really good job of it? That yeah, I think we owe that to ourselves and to the punters. I I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, with that, with that teaser in mind, we're going to leave you, and we're going to leave you for one very definitely good reason, which is, you should, if you're purple, you should be listening to this now, and clearly you're not, and clearly no. we've still got we've still got work to do. <coughs> so we'll break to go and do some jiggery pokery, and to have our apologies for the fact that for those who normally experience the podcast three days early, it's a little less early than it would normally be, but we hope you can understand the reasons why. Yes, the the note from my mum is is in the post. Well, it it might even end up being the notes for the episode. Who knows? <laughs> Ask Stephen. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Right, you get your strength back. Plenty of Lucasade. All right. Well, thank you. Maybe I'll write. Maybe I'll uh, 
maybe I'll write an, a pretend note from my mum and we can we can scan it in and you know can we do that put it no, put, I'm it, sure we can put it up as a PDF in lieu I'm of sure notes. we can do that a kind of dodgy handwritten thing with crossings out and 36 Lakeen Road at the top and all of that <laughs> I'll leave we well, see that's a great idea and I'm going to do that thing I always do when you come up with a great idea that you're going to have to do which is that's a great idea Stephen why don't you do that well it won't take a minute in theory in theory right well I'll see you next time alright mate thank you I will I will press stop and then I'll record some diary and then I'll send you the three files perfect well let's press stop now yes here I'm doing it I'm doing it Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.